Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, Fist Street Soccer, presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, are coming to you live on iHeartRadio. Tune in the award-winning Sirius XM app wherever you want to be. Great to be with you. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. We've got a ton of Bundesliga action to talk about. Today, we wrapped up half the midweek schedule. Uh, we're gonna, so we're going to look back at the m- uh, matches from today. We'll look back forward to the matches tomorrow in the Bundesliga. We're going to give you some betting tips and tricks. And, of course, you can go to betonline.ag. And when I say we, I, of course, mean my co-host, Kartik Krishnai, who will be joining me right after the break. Uh, Kartik, a regular contributor to the show, my co-host, and, if I might add, a Bundesliga expert. And the Bundesliga, providing the uh, soccer excitement for us that we've been missing for all these months as the other European leagues, much slower to start again. You know, no... uh, Glad they're doing it. Glad they're taking their time. No one wants to rush into this. There's no pressure to do this. Uh... I think it's good. And so far, the Bundesliga seem to be pulling their season off well. Uh, One hopes that there are no outbreaks that could affect it. But it seems to me like we are well on the way. Uh, At the culmination of this coming weekend, we will have had three Bundesliga matches of the season under the belt in in but 10 days. They're going to keep this pace up all the way through as they try to put this 2019-2020 season behind them. And after the results today... Uh, it's seeming, it's almost like the uh, the title race has been decided after today's results, and we'll get into this in a little bit, by Munich are seven points clear of Borussia Dortmund after the uh, match today. We're going to talk about that, Kartik and I. All right, if you miss any part of this show, you can find it immediately at its conclusion at the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. So we would absolutely love to find you there. Why don't you subscribe, and then every time we post some new content, which is just about every day, you'll get notified, and it'll download automatically, because we are with you every day, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We are the most distributed soccer show in North America. We hope you will make us a regular part of your week. We love to come into your living room, particularly uh, during this COVID epidemic, and provide a little football insight and uh, a good outlet for all of you uh, footy fans out there. All right, I'm Nick Eber, going to step aside, take a break. I'll find Kartik, and we'll kick it all off after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Chris Street Soccer here on the uh, Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Source. We, we are presented by uh, betonline.ag. It's great to be with you. Uh, let's take a look back at the games we had today in the Bundesliga Kartik. Uh, I would love to say that we had no surprises, but in point of fact, we most certainly did. Uh, let's start with uh, Bayer Leverkusen getting tonked by Wolfsburg at home. Uh, and Werder Bremen, Borussia Mönchengladbach, a nil-nil draw. Uh, kind of surprising. Yeah, two very surprising results. 
uh, that uh, take Leverkusen. So Leverkusen, that was a, an awful performance. They gave up a goal in the first half. John Brooks, by the way, the American international, looking very good. We didn't see the sort of uh, play from Kai Havertz we have. Uh, in the previous two games since the restart. Leverkusen's really good form went back to February. So bubble is burst when they go back home. But, of course, they're not really at home. Well, they are, but, you know, um, that this is this was a, a stunning result. But, again, a, a negation of, of, of home pitch advantage. Leverkusen goes away from home, has two spectacular results, right? Um, yep. Again, empty crowds, no, no, no crowds, and then comes home and gets taunted. And maybe Wolfsburg... Uh, do the result, but this gets Wolfsburg right back in that uh, competition for Europe and puts Leverkusen uh, and Wuchen Gladbach with their terrible result against Werder Bremen uh, in, in jeopardy of missing the Champions League. Uh, Bremen, what an important point for them. They're coming around now. So we have a real relegation scrap. I thought we had uh, two teams that were down uh, essentially a, a week ago, and, and now uh, Paderborn got a point also. Uh, the other day. Uh, this is going to uh, go, go to the end, to the last fixture date. Well, I don't know so much about Paderborn, Kartik. I mean, because uh, as you mentioned, it's, uh, yeah, they pick up a couple of draws on the bounce since the restart, which is good for them. Uh, but on the other hand, Bremen pick up four points uh, since the restart. Yeah. Uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf pick up two draws as well. Uh, you know, Mainz pick up a point. So, yeah, they picked up two points, but the uh, the other teams that also are in danger of getting sucked into that relegation vortex are also getting results. And that's what's really so interesting to me. The other side of it, of course, is uh, today Bayern Munich versus Dortmund in this sort of the statement match, eke by a 1-0 victory. And I have to say, uh, Erling Haaland missed a couple of nice chances. That could have been a draw or even a Dortmund win. Yeah, obviously missed a chance uh, in the first 30 seconds, right? I think he was indecisive when Neuer came out, didn't play at the Hazard quickly enough, right? Hazard uh, did put a shot on goal, right? But it was cleared by uh, the defender who was on the line. That was in the first 30 seconds. Uh, first 15 minutes, it seemed like Dortmund were getting chances, and you knew when they weren't finishing. And again, they don't have Marco Royce, uh, who's their best player, or best attacking player. He's injured, and, and Jaden Sancho, their second-best attacking player, uh, other than Holland, of course, uh, is uh, is coming off an injury. So he couldn't go a full 90. We saw him come on at halftime and not do much. But you knew when they didn't take those chances in the first 15 minutes, uh, they were going to regret that. But, Nick, we do have to discuss what appears yeah. to have been a stone-cold penalty that did not go to VAR. I, I As you, you commented on it, I posted it on Twitter immediately after the match, the two screenshots I took. Uh, the the um, feedback has been 100% penalty, 0% not a penalty, and the shock is VAR was not used. And this is something we, we've we seen in the Premier League, we've seen in the Bundesliga, we've seen in Serie A. That's, it's also subjective when they go to VAR. How Which adds earth, another problem, another layer of problem. How on earth, Kartik Krishnaya, was that not a penalty? I mean, my goodness. It may have even been a, a red card, honestly. I, I I don't know about that, but it may well, have been. I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's not whether it's deliberate anymore. That doesn't count yeah. if there's any contact. I, I think the deliberate acts, uh, aspect would have counted whether or not it was a red card. I, I, I would think, yeah. uh, and I certainly don't think it was deliberate, but look, his uh, upper, upper arm got in the way of the ball. He was falling over. He was on the ground, actually, and deflected the ball yeah. from, from making its way to the target. Now, whether uh, it would have been saved or not, it's a different matter, but that was a, a clearly a penalty and, and a really, But the really shot was on ball. target. It's important. Shot was on target, yes. So important, yeah. yeah. Right, shot was on target. So I have no clue why that wasn't a penalty. Uh, I shake my head on that one. 
Yeah, and this is this is a VAR question, right? Because in the past, in a game of this this magnitude, right, this game is going to decide the title. Bayern Munich have won the title now. Um, in a game of this magnitude, we have had missed calls, blown calls that we've talked about for years and years and years like this one. Uh, this is nothing new in football. What is new is that you have VAR, and the assumption was they would go to VAR. Uh, uh, some told me, well, part of the problem was that uh, Dortmund, because they were playing, they're playing from behind, were anxious to get a quick restart, and instead of uh, uh, kind of crowding around the ref, <laughs> you know, took a corner, right? They they probably should have taken their time over that, uh, because the but the look from where the referee was, he thought it probably went off off the shoulder and didn't realize uh, the hand was extended, the arm was extended very unnaturally of Boateng, so. Um, Look, the other thing that I, I thought was really, to me, pretty telling in this match was uh, Dortmund's inability to play that final ball. There was a lot of nice, intricate build-up play. I mean, this was a great match. This was the, Particularly on the, the left side. They, I mean, they yeah, were penetrating yeah. very effectively on the left side. Yeah, and then that final ball wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that's something that... Um, it is 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 missed when Marco Royce is out of the team, and it's quite honestly the difference between Bayern and, and Borussia Dortmund. These two teams have been so close to one another in the Bundesliga over the course of the last five seasons, and yet Bayern always wins the title, and Dortmund is always hanging around, uh, with the exception of one season, but uh, really always hanging around until uh, March, April, and then they fall away and they get a bad result against. Bayern and it's that it's that final ball it's that final killer instinct the way Bayern took their goal Kimmich uh bad clearance uh keeper Berkey kind of reads it wrong but still uh, it was a bad clearance and just an opportunistic type of uh chip from Kimmich the kind of thing you don't see from Dortmund in these games I mean the thing that frustrates me Nick is because I've watched a lot of the Bundesliga the last few years I think the margin is really thin between these two teams but Dortmund has never closed it in that five-year period where Bayern has been winning the title every year right. and Dortmund's been finishing second. They just haven't closed it. And All it's right. frustrating to watch as a neutral. All right, Kartik, we've got uh, two and a half minutes left. And I want to just touch briefly, briefly on uh, the big result for me uh, was actually Borussia Mönchengladbach getting the draw against Werder Bremen. I mean, what is going on? Yeah, that's two really... Um, bad results in a row for Muchen Gladbach. Since and the restart, yeah. Gladbach was playing, what, excuse me? Yeah, one, one point since the restart out of yeah. six. Right, and so the question now, Nick, is did that, did that uh, COVID break, because Muchen Gladbach was playing as good as anyone in the Bundesliga, maybe as good as anyone in Europe in, in late February, early March. Maybe that COVID break took so much out of them because we know on paper – and in terms of the transfer value of their players, they're not as good as Leverkusen, Leipzig, Dor and certainly not Dortmund and, and uh, Bayern. They should be fifth or lower in the league uh, based just on paper. But they were playing above, they were punching above their weight this entire season, uh, as they were much of last season, and then have fallen away seemingly because they don't have a home crowd and they don't. Um, they had this two-month break, so unfortunately. If they finish fifth, Nick, I think it's their casualty of, of the COVID break. I, I, yeah. They would have been in the top four, I think, otherwise. You know, I can't, I can't stress enough, you know, how, how much we overlook as analysts, fans, pundits, whatever you want to call us, because we're sort of all of the above, momentum. Uh, and I think it's no more evident in the Premier League, for example, than Liverpool getting beaten by Watford uh, coming back after the uh, 
after the holiday break. You know, just yeah, that momentum, that drive, that in the zoneness, if that's even a word, uh, you lose that edge, and uh, you are uh, ripe for the picking, and it takes a while to reset it. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that in the Bundesliga. All right, we're going to go to break here in just a minute. When we come back, Kartik and I are going to run down all of the matches for Wednesday. And there are some fascinating matches in the Bundesliga uh, coming up on Wednesday, including Red Bull Leipzig against Hertha Berlin, Paderborn in action, Fortuna Düsseldorf Schalke, Cologne Hoffenheim, and uh, Union Berlin against Mainz. This is... Uh, Fist Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also live on Sirius XM 211 and the award-winning Sirius XM app, as well as iHeartRadio and TuneIn. Uh, we will be right back after this. While you're waiting this pandemic out at home, you can still have some fun betting with our partner, betonline.ag. I know right now no NBA, NHL, or baseball, although coming soon. Of course, we do have the Bundesliga and some NASCAR. Don't worry, though. Bet Online still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on, as I said, including NASCAR and Bundesliga. Uh, of course, Madden and the NBA 2K simulations, uh, UFC, and they have a great online casino with poker and blackjack, no social, social distancing required, no plexiglass shields, no masks. You can play at home, have a great deal of fun. Uh, look, there's still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100 uh, to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use the pro promo code MYPOD100. You can find me, Nick Eber, there with you if you want to play some poker. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. All right, well, that uh, is no fun by Iggy Pop. And uh, we are actually, uh, that's sort of been the pandemic anthem, but, you know, we are slowly coming back to fun. I just hope that we can do it without, you know, increasing the infection rate, and the casualty rate, because right now here in the United States, about 100,000 people have lost their lives on this. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This isn't somebody trying to take away your right to go to the beach or whatever it is. Folks, this is about protecting our fellow citizens and having some goddamn empathy for somebody else okay can we stop being such selfish bricks and start thinking about other people sorry i'm seeing these people on the beach not wearing masks running around you know it's not about whether you can survive or your or your son or your daughter everybody's healthy everybody's great it's if you become a carrier of that disease and come around somebody who won't guess what folks you will have blood on your hands and you will not feel good about it if you know it or maybe you just don't care and sadly Kartik I'm getting the impression that a lot of people just don't care yeah, I cannot agree with you more, Nick. I, I am outraged by the behavior I see on television, the things I'm seeing on Twitter, the things I'm reading. I'm in Florida, and I think we've misbehaved more. People in Florida misbehave more than, than most during this crisis. I am still essentially sheltered at home weeks after that was lifted because I'm now fearful of going out. And that wasn't the case when we had the actual shelter-at-home order. When we had the shelter-at-home order, this was for the public good. This was for um, my fellow community, my, all, all the people around me. We were all looking out for one another. Now suddenly everyone's become very selfish. They've become self-absorbed. they become, oh my goodness, I missed out on this, missed out on that. I have to go party. I have to go do this. I have to go to the swimming pool. I have to go to the beach. And me personally, I've spent more time in 
since the shelter at home order was lifted than I did even because at the time during the uh, the lockdown, I was going out once every three or four days to the grocery store uh, to get things. Now, I, I mean, I'm going like a week without leaving my house because I'm that frightened. So this is deadly serious for me and it I is. think for most people. It is. I think maybe we'll uh, we'll put the Billy Idol song Kiss Me Deadly on there at some point uh, to just, you know, Generation X actually to kind of reinforce it. I'm trying to come up with uh, pandemic songs for our show. But look, let's get to the Bundesliga, Kartik. Uh, we had some great matches today. Let's talk about what we've got lined up for tomorrow. Uh, a match of great interest, I think, Red Bull Leipzig, uh, a team that, quite frankly, with a big win here, could, uh, you know, honestly, with a win, they would leapfrog Borussia Dortmund into second place in the Bundesliga, Kartik. Yeah. Uh, they are playing Hertha Berlin, who have also had uh, very good results since the uh, since the restart with two wins on the bounce. This actually a very interesting match. Yeah, so um, I think that Leipzig probably got over the hump on Sunday with that 5-0 win and that now you're going to see uh, more swashbuckling. Werner uh, was uh, uh, in, in kind of a bad moment in terms of just finishing chances. Now he was doing everything else well. So I think Timo Werner, you're going to see more from him in this match. Yusef Paulson, who has not had a, a good season by his standards, actually, has raised his game since the uh, since the break. And you're, you're seeing this Leipzig team and Nagelsmann's playing principles, which is high pressing, high energy, uh, really take it to another level. And I, and I expect them to win this match. Hertha has been very good since the restart. We've talked about that. Uh, they're coming off a big 5-0 also, right, against Union Berlin in, in the derby. Uh, derby, albeit in front of closed doors. But I, I like Leipzig in this match. Uh, they... They could pipe uh, uh, Dortmund now for, for a second. I mean, Dortmund has so many injuries, and, and we saw today, I think, kind of a dispirited team at the end. Uh, uh, the title race is over as of today, so uh, who finishes second may not really matter, but it would be a psychological a bump for Leipzig in, in Nagelsmann's first season if they did finish ahead of uh, Dortmund. All right, next match, uh, Augsburg against uh, relegation-bound Paderborn. This match could prove surprising. Paderborn, two draws on the bounce since the restart. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. Augsburg, although they did get the win uh, last week, uh, ooh, I, you know, I don't know, Kartik. What do you think on this one? I think this is uh, a, a good opportunity for Paderborn again to get a point, but they need to start getting three points to climb out of the drop zone. Uh, Augsburg, uh, I think... Uh, you know, they've had a, a respectable year, a year where um, they, and obviously very good result the other day against Schalke, yeah. a, a season which uh, we thought they'd be threatened by relegation. We thought they'd be in that fight. Uh, a win in this match effectively ends that. Now, I don't think they're going to get sucked in anyway, but uh, if they get three points in this match, which I think they probably will, I think they will uh, too, they're yeah. safe for another season. Right, and that's Augsburg. Uh, minus 110 right now. Paderborn plus 275. The draw plus 275, courtesy of our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, you and I both like Augsburg, the home favorite. Uh, next up, Hoffenheim uh, hosting uh, Cologne. This a fascinating match, Kartik. Uh, Hoffenheim uh, uh, coming off the draw. Cologne also coming off a draw. These guys sitting ninth and 10th, two points, uh, two points aside. I like the draw on this one, Kartik. And just for what it's worth, Hoffenheim plus 140, Köln plus 170. These odds are very, very close. I do like the draw, though. 
Yeah, Cologne has um, now had these two straight matches. One where they uh, they had they were cruising on cruise control against Mainz and then blew a lead late. And then this other match against D- uh, Dusseldorf, a local rival who they stormed back against in the last uh, three minutes. So I um, I'm not sure. Uh, I I think a draw is right. I just don't know if Cologne's going to come out in the first half and play really well or play really poorly and then chase it. But two-two uh, seems a safe. Uh, draw. I like uh, some of what we've seen from Hoffenheim uh, this season. Kramerich, again, has been really good. And um, Brun Larsen is a player that I like that Dortmund didn't really develop. Uh, he's looked good since the restart. So uh, I'm I'm going to say draw. Same thing. Uh, and 2-2 again. That's a safe two, two. score with Cologne, right? Yeah, well, I've got another draw coming up next, Kartik. It's Union Berlin against Mainz. Now, uh, Mainz really would love to get three points here because that would sort of steer them out of the drop zone. Uh, Union Berlin, of course, coming over that off that loss in the Berlin derby. Uh, I I think this is a draw, even though it's in Berlin. Union Berlin plus 120, Mainz plus 215. This is courtesy of betonline.ag. The draw plus 245. What do you think? This is a match where I think a draw would suit both teams, actually. They both need points. They both need just a few points to be safe uh, for the season. But And I'm thinking it will be a draw. Not that either is going to play for a draw. Uh, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it would suit. I think they both went home with one point uh, and uh, went had another point going into the weekend. That would make them feel a little safer. For these clubs, and we see this in every league in Europe, uh, sometimes at the end of the season, it's just kind of eking out draws and getting enough points to where you're safe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And the last match, but by the way, you know, I think when you said it's not like they would seek a draw, no, of course not, but I tell you where it comes. If you're 1-1, 0-0, 2-2, and it's late in the match, you're going to hunker down, you're going to batten down the hatches, and you're going to look to take a point. You're not going to look to push on for all three. And that's when you're going to see that type of differential. Uh, Next match up, though, Fortuna Dusseldorf, who uh, right now... Are uh, where are they in the table right now for uh, Dusseldorf? They're 16th, I think. They're yeah, right 16th. on the yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. They're they right uh, in the playoff spot. Uh, Going to play Schalke, uh, who uh, are uh, in eighth spot. And, and and quite frankly, if Schalke could push on here, they could threaten to get that Europa League spot. They could, but they've been playing so poorly. You know, you yes, think they that have. that's that one bad run. Right, one yeah, point out ahead. of fifteen. One point out of fifteen. Yeah, Schalke. Yeah. You you think that at some point that that, that streak's going to stop? But I'm thinking maybe Dusseldorf, having blown the match against uh, Cologne the other night, uh, this this is an opportunity at home, albeit obviously there's no home crowd, to uh, to take three points and, and and get some separation between them and Bremen. Now that Bremen is nipping at their heels, uh, I'm going to go with Dusseldorf in this match. I, I just the way Schalke has looked in these two matches since returning, they have looked. They have looked like they're still on the COVID break, right? Yeah. So uh, I, until they prove otherwise, I'm going to pick against them. And that doesn't matter who they play. Dusseldorf, obviously, in a lot of trouble uh, with relegation. But I think this is an opportunity. Right now, everybody who's fighting relegation is going to see the opportunity like Augsburg did when they play Schalke. Because Schalke is reeling. I mean, this is a team that we thought would be in the top four for much of the season. And now they're just spiraling down the table. All right. So what do you have for this one? Uh, let's say 2-1 for Dusseldorf. 2-1 for Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf, and there's plus money on both sides right now. Very close. Dusseldorf plus 160. Schalke plus 170. The draw plus 235. I'm with you, uh, Kartik. I'm going to say take Dusseldorf. And once again, if you want to put some money, wager wisely. Have fun with it. Don't be irresponsible. Go ahead over to betonline.ag. Set up an account right now. Use promo code MYPOD100. 
and you can get in on some action and enjoy the Bundesliga just that little bit more. All right, uh, that's just about going to wrap it. Kartik, on Friday, there's a great match too. Freiburg by Leverkusen. And this this is actually is a, is a fascinating match given the current form of these teams. Now, Freiburg clearly not going to catch Leverkusen, but Leverkusen, we just talked about the shocking result they had uh, today. Uh, Freiburg, you know, having a draw. They could hope to maybe leapfrog Wolfsburg, but Wolfsburg... Also, you know, finding a little bit of form. So it is interesting, that side of the table, that match on Friday. Don't worry, folks. So we're going to break down all the upcoming weekend's matches. Plenty of time right here on Fifth Street Soccer, presented by betonline.ag. Big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network, as well as our fans listening on the Sports Byland Broadcast Network or Sirius XM 211 or iHeartRadio or TuneIn or the award-winning Sirius XM app. If you missed any part of this show, you can catch it at our podcast network, the Believe, B-L-E-A-V podcast network, right after the show. I'll be right back after this. Ah, whiskey in the jar. Well, given that I'm, like everybody else, spending much of my time at uh, home, there has been plenty of whiskey in the jar. I suppose one of the side effects of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, But joining me on the guest line, my good friend, legendary broadcaster, a mentor of mine, uh, Mr. Howard David. Howard, uh, thanks for staying with me here. Pleasure, Nick. Uh, All right, so... uh, Let's go back to your early broadcast days and the North American Soccer League, where you were the voice of the Cosmos during one of uh, the most important periods in the life of that league. We're talking about, of course, the period at which a legendary player Pelé uh, played for the Cosmos. Uh, Howard, what are some of your most vivid memories of the, that era? And how many years did you, uh, did you work for the Cosmos? Uh, actually, uh, I worked for the production company that, that put their games on New York television. And it was involved with them for three years from 76, 77, and 78. Uh, 76, they were playing their games at Yankee Stadium. And as a uh, guy growing up in New York, uh, Yankee Stadium was like a cathedral to me, certainly, because uh, it was a great baseball stadium, a great arena to, to play baseball in, obviously, and there was some football played and so on. So I remember walking into Yankee Stadium, and we were just getting ready to televise our first game the following week. And um, on the scoreboard at Yankee Stadium, it said, we want to welcome, it was me and, and Jim Carvellis, who was my partner, who's since passed away, uh, with our names on the Yankee Stadium scoreboard. And I went, look at this. <laughs> I grew up a Brooklyn Dodger fan, and my name is on the board at Yankee Stadium. There was something kind of ironic about that, but I remember going to, I forget who the Cosmos were playing, but I was standing in the end zone uh, behind one of the goals. And at the opposite end, the Cosmos were on the attack, and Pelé hit a bicycle kick that had about a 20 to 25-foot break on it that went into the back of the net, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. And this was my introduction to seeing Pelé live. And we started doing some games, mostly away games. But 77 was the magical year. It was the year when soccer exploded in New York. 
because of the cosmos, primarily because of the attraction of Pelé and the other international stars that were his teammates, Franz Beckenbauer from Germany, Giorgio Chinaglia from Italy. Um, Carlos uh, Alberto was there as well, Carlos wasn't he? From, yeah. oh, Pelé's teammate, uh, Steve Hunt from England, uh, Dennis Tewart from England, uh, and Shep Messinger, who's an American goalie, uh, played for the U.S. Olympic team in 1972 and the tragedy that surrounded the, um, uh, the uh, Munich Olympics. So it, it was a, a well-known team around the world. And what Warner Communications that owned the team wanted to do was expose this team worldwide. So before the season started, they played some international matches in various parts of the world to introduce this team. And I want to say that during the course of the season, I mean, initially there was 20,000 people, 25,000 people, and it started to grow to the point of where they played a playoff game at in Giant Stadium against Fort Lauderdale, and there were 77,000 people in the stadium. Right. And And that actually, Howard, that was the largest crowd ever to attend a Cosmos game that was 77. Um, 77,691 fans is a record for American soccer at the time. Uh, and of right. course, you're talking about that 1977 year. That was the first year that the Cosmos actually played at Giant Stadium. They were at Yankee Correct. Stadium in 76. Right. That's exactly right. And so <clears throat> what was interesting about that, a friend of mine called me when he heard about, you know, the crowd that was at the Giant Stadium that day. And he said, well, was it a papered house? What that means is, well, there are a lot of free tickets that were given away. Right. And I said, no, no, these these were all sell. They were all sold tickets. Every single one of them it wasn't one comp ticket given out at all. Um, so that's what made it even more incredible. So that 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 got the attention of New York City. Uh, it got the attention of the soccer public, not only in New York City around the United States, and if not around the world. Howard, the NASL obviously collapsed in 79, 80. Uh, the league sort of came to its conclusion. It died a bit of a, um, uh, an unfortunate death, uh, shall we say. Uh, when you look at Major League Soccer today, and you look at the NASL of the past, do you think of the NASL that was a real opportunity that was lost? I think what they tried to do is expand for a little money. If I'm not mistaken, they were charging only $250,000 to start a franchise. That's When you think about it, Nick, it's really nickels and dimes. It's, yeah. uh, they, they overexpanded for cheap money, and I think their uh, enthusiasm to expand the league was their own, was their own undoing. Yeah, they overexpanded, undercapitalized, the league collapsed, and of course it took uh, a long time, it took till 1996 for a, another Division I league to rear its head here in the United States. That, of course, is Major League Soccer. But you know, Howard, when I look back, I mean, the, the, the major changes between, say, the height of NASL in 77, probably all the way through uh, 79, where they were still drawing you know, an average of nearly 47,000 people to Giant Stadium, uh, was the opportunity in a much less crowded sports landscape back then. Obviously, we didn't have, you know, 15 different sports networks on the television. It was a much less crowded sports landscape. It was a real opportunity for soccer to uh, get its 
toe in, shall we say, into the major sports landscape here. And in point of fact, I think the demise of the league set the sport back 30 years. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, what, you know, when we, when you're intimately involved as we were doing the games, uh, you, um, you, you see players that came into Giant Stadium or we went on the road and played games and, uh, I remember Washington, the Washington diplomats had a player named Johan Cruyff. Oh yeah. Uh, Dutch, a Dutch player who was his, his ability. I, I, I was a blown away with him from this standpoint. He, I, I remember there was one time he was on the near sideline and there were two or three, maybe four players in his path. He found his way around every single one of them. We're talking about a guy that, let me draw a parallel for those that follow basketball. It was like playing with the Harlem Globetrotters. The oh, way for sure. that he handled the ball with his feet compared to the way they dribbled with their hands. I mean, it was astounding to me. So I had never seen Cruyff in person. I was exposed to that, and he blew me away. And, I mean, we saw, yeah, Rodney Marsh was at the end of his career playing with Fort Lauderdale. But still, he was a bit of a character. He was a bit of a, of a figure that people could, you know, really you know, grow close to and you know, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers were a good team. Cosmos used to battle them every year. But, I mean, we had our own. This was like going to a concert every game because when I walked into the locker room before the game to do an interview or whatever, it was not uncommon to see Henry Kissinger in that locker room. It was not uncommon to see Mick Jagger in that locker room because Warner Communications also owned Atlantic Records. And a lot of their talent would come into the locker room primarily to meet Pelé. Well, you know, Howard, just the names that you were mentioning. Uh, Johan Cruyff, obviously one of the greatest players ever to play the game. The Dutch master himself. The man who defines so many, so much of the tactics and skill sets uh, that are used in today's game. You're talking about Franz Beckenbauer. You're talking about Rodney Marsh. Of course, Pelé, Carlos Alberto. I mean, the list of... The players that played in the NASL, uh, it, it goes on and on. But you had actually said, a, uh, you, you told me the other day a very funny story, though, about Shep Messing. Uh, and I wonder if Shep wouldn't be too mad if you repeat, repeated that story for our listeners here about the gloves. You mean about the gloves? Yes. Oh, we talked about it on my podcast the other day, so it's not like anything that he laughs about it now as I do, but <clears throat> they're playing the final uh, in Portland against Seattle Sounders. And uh, my hotel room was right next to Shep's. So I went out in the hallway. I think I was going to go down to the lobby to get something. And Shep came out of his room, and he had his uh, goalkeeper's gloves on. And I said, what are you doing with your gloves on? He said, you can't tell anybody. I said, tell me what? He goes, well, what happened was he had a shoe deal with a manufacturer. And it's not important who the manufacturer was. And he got, Franz Beckenbauer gave him a, a pair of shoes that he loved. So he couldn't go on the field wearing these shoes because they had the logo, uh, the chevron on the side of the shoes. So Shep tried to you take a straight razor and cut the chevron off. And he sliced the palm of his hand. <laughs> well, a goalkeeper with a sliced hand is not a good goalkeeper. No. You know, so I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, we're taping it up and 
I said, he said, you can't tell anybody. I said, I wouldn't betray your confidence. Of course I wouldn't tell anybody. He goes and plays in the game. They win two to one. And in the locker room after the game, I go down from the booth to the locker room to do interviews. And the first guy I saw was Shep. He still had his gloves on. Only now you could see the tape above his gloves were all bloodstained of the one hand. I said, you haven't told anybody yet? He goes, no. So we do the interview. One thing leads to another. He finally tells Eddie Fermani, his coach, what happened. He said, well, I'm glad you told me after the game and not before. So it was a great secret, but here's the goalkeeper of the, of the champion Cosmos with a sliced palm of his hand that required, I don't know, something like 30 stitches. Wow. And, you know, went out and played, and I tell you what, times, how different they are today. Uh, you know, he'd probably be put on the injury list and uh, uh, sure. <laughs> sent away uh, for four weeks to uh, to recover. Uh, Howard, the uh, of course, you and I go way back, and I'm just smiling listening to you talk and uh, being here talking with you, remembering very clearly about some of the really fun World Series of Poker events we called together here in Las Vegas. Uh, that was a, a great time. Of course, Las Vegas right now completely shut down. And Howard, my understanding is they're still debating whether to reopen the World Series of Poker this year or not, but I think probably not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would have any, would have no knowledge of that. But yeah, the World Series of Poker, it was, it was, um, this was all virgin territory to me. Uh, you know, I knew how to play poker, so that wasn't the concern, but I'm figuring, I'm talking to somebody, and I, I want to say somebody who's writing for USA Today, saying, I hear that you're going to do hand-by-hand uh, -hand coverage of the World Series of Poker. I said, yeah. He says, have you ever done that before? And I said, no, the first time I do it will be my first time. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I know the game, so that, that, that's the biggest problem that, that you have to overcome. Is you, you have to know the game, you have to know the rules. But the poker world, to me, was interesting because it involved people that were in a world that I didn't have any any relevance to. I had no knowledge of the kinds of people. Gamblers are nuts. I mean, <laughs> poker players are nuts. They, I mean, they, they get up in the morning, they have a cup of coffee maybe, and they go play poker. They have lunch and they play poker, and they have dinner and they play poker. They could play 18, 19 hours a day. All right, Howard. Common. You and I are going to have to do uh, another segment or two at some other time about uh, our memories of the World Series of Poker. Howard, David, an absolute pleasure. And you can find Howard's podcast. Uh, Howard, just about 10 seconds. Where can they find your podcast? Right now on uh, twitch.tv slash Howard David Live. All right. Check out Howard's podcast full of big names. Great talk. Uh, my friend, Howard David. Howard, uh, stay safe, my friend, and best to you and your family. Same to you, Nick. Welcome back to Sweet Soccer. Nick Eber with you. We are presented by betonline.ag. It's great to be with you. We're with you every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. And look, if you missed any part of the show, never fear, my friends. You can find it. Our podcast is made available 
immediately upon the conclusion of the show. And you can find us at the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V, the Believe Podcast Network. A funny song, that, Sham 69, of course, Hurry Up Harry. Uh, only funny because, well, <laughs> no one's going to be going down the pub till at least 2021, according to the uh, UK government. That is the latest that I have heard the pubs are slated to remain closed for that long. Look, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. And uh, that's what this show is about. It's about opinions and discussions. And uh, look, everybody has a passion and an opinion that they believe about, something that they believe in passionately. And this is the show for that because football and, well, uh, quite frankly, any sport, they're all about emotion and passion. Love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. That's at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Uh, very important that you uh, communicate with me so that you give me lots of topics to talk about because, of course, while we are uh, slightly slower in terms of the live sports these days, and that's an understatement, uh, it's the stories around the sport, the continuing drama, the soap opera that make it oh so fun to talk about. All right, uh, Believe Podcast Network, that's where you will find me, uh, B-L-E-A-V. Right after the show, you can download this show, you can download all our past shows, and you can sign up so you'll be notified every time we post a new show. But we do hope you'll join us live on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM211, Dan Patrick Sports. I want to thank everyone involved with this show for putting it out there. Look, we all have to show up and work under trying circumstances, or stay at home and work under trying circumstances. But I want you to stay safe at home. Don't be stupid. Stay away from this boogeyman, all right? And we'll get through this together. Till tomorrow, cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.